Hey, hey, Kip Nation, I hope you are well on today, and I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. Some of you are still probably, uh, how do you say it, resting or relaxing in that Thanksgiving uh, bevy of food that has rendered you helpless on the sofa somewhere, but I hope you're energized, you're energetic, spending time with your families, enjoying the weekend, and just most of all, being thankful. Uh, and I hope that during this Thanksgiving season, we acquire the taste of being thankful for whatever the season that God has given us for. Every season has a particular reason. God has a reason for everything he does. And we just have to learn to accept the rationale that he gives or doesn't give for our precarious or our wonderful situation. It all depends. We're all in various stages of life and various stages of ministry. And God does unique things in a, a wonderful setting, and he does unique things in a disastrous setting. Uh, the thing about God is that you can't predict him, and we're just blessed to be a part of his kingdom. All right? So I want to say happy Thanksgiving again to the entire Kip Nation, wherever you are in the world. Today, I want to talk about embracing disappointment, embracing disappointment. And I know that sounds like irony. That sounds contradictory. That sounds ludicrous. And for others, that may even sound crazy. But we have to learn how to embrace disappointment and understand that the ways of God are not our ways. And in other words, we don't think alike. We don't act alike. Uh, when we're thinking left, God is thinking right. When we're thinking up, God is thinking down. When we're thinking go backwards, God is thinking go forwards. It's a, a contradictory lifestyle to learn the means and the ways of God. But we have to learn first how to trust God. We have to learn how to trust God. And when you trust him, you lean not to thy own understanding. In all your ways, you acknowledge him. So whatever you're getting ready to do, you acknowledge him first. You pray. You ask God, God, is this what you want me to do? I was recently given an assignment by God and, and given a task. And I, I, when I began to pursue the task and began to be obedient to what God told me to do, the news that I got at the end of the task, and, and I was working towards it, feverish, doing what I was supposed to do, doing everything God asked me to do. And then... When I finally get the news or the outcome of the or the production of the production that I was working on, it was disappointing. And so God really dealt with me about learning how to embrace disappointment. So here's something he said to me, uh, even as I was going through it. He said, don't confuse the road to blessing with the destination of the blessing. Don't confuse the road to blessing with the destination of the blessing. And he took me to Genesis chapter 26 to give me an understanding and and basically Genesis chapter 26 is about the contentious relationship between Isaac Abraham's son and Abimelech the king of the Philistines uh, there was a famine in the land and uh, God told Isaac not to go to Egypt but to live in the land of Gerard. Now, Gerard, of course, was owned by the Philistines, so you know Isaac uh, was definitely not trying to go live in the belly of the enemy, but this is what God told him to do. Contrary to his popular, uh, popular opinion, or contrary to what he was thinking, go live in the land of the enemy, go live in Gerard. So he goes and lives in Gerard, but while he's there, he, he's afraid. 
But God made him a promise. Now, I, I want you to catch this. God's telling you to go to the place that you don't want to go to. And if you do that, I'm going to make you a promise. So watch this. Listen to this promise. Dwell in the land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. In other words, I'm going to extend the legacy that I gave to your father, Abraham, right? I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So one of the first things I want us to understand about getting blessed by God, getting blessed by God is synonymous with obedience. Now, obedience doesn't mean you're going to get for every obedient act is a blessing, but there is a compilation of obedience that results in God doing something in your life that he promised you that he will do. In other words, we're not looking for a one-to-one relationship. We're just looking to love God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, loving our neighbors as ourselves, and then allowing God to move in our lives as he sees fit. So he says, if you dwell in this land, I'm going to do all of these things for you. So, you know, that seems easy enough. All right. He grabs his wife, Rebecca, grabs his crew, all of the workers on his, his field and his field hands and his herdsmen and all the people that work on his staff. And they roll out. They, they go to Gerard. Now, there's one thing that's like father, like son. Abraham was afraid that uh, when he stayed uh, in the land of the Philistines, that they would take his wife from him. So he lied about her. Well, guess what? Isaac finds himself in a very similar position. Rebecca's fine. And he's thinking like, man, if I tell them that Rebecca's my wife, they'll take her from me. But if I tell her that she's my sister, they'll leave her alone. Well, he goes on and he does the same thing that his daddy did and uh, doesn't uh, tell them that she's his wife. And uh, eventually they see him with her in such a way that they know that is his wife. And they said, man, you brought a curse on us. You brought a curse on us. You should have told us the truth. Any of my men could have tried to sleep with your quote unquote sister, which is really your wife. And we would have been cursed by God himself. So Abimelech, the king said, uh, what is this thing you have done to us? One of the people might soon laid with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Amalek charged all the people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall be put to death. But Abraham, I mean, Isaac was basically kicked out of that, that area, you know, to get, take your folk and go on about your business. So here's what the Bible says. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this, because here's what I look at. I don't see... Isaac being in just uh, optimum conditions. He's not in a place. First of all, he's he wants to go to Egypt and can't. Second of all, he gets a promise that he's going to be blessed. But the first uh, move of relationship with the Philistine king is he needs to lie to him. And he feels that he has to lie to him because he feels like he's in enemy territory. He doesn't feel safe. He doesn't feel safe for his wife. Uh, it's just not a good situation. And, and now he's been found out. The king is upset with him. And it's like, God, you told me to come here? Seriously? Seriously, you told me to come here. But listen to the blessing 
in the midst of all the hectic things. That's why when God tells us to do something, regardless of the hectic environment surrounding us, we have to be obedient because part of obedience is being obedient when it doesn't seem right to be obedient. Uh, are you catching this? Being obedient is not when everything's wonderful. Being obedient is when you do something that God has told you to do in the midst of consternation, in the midst of strife, in the midst of things going wrong rather than right. So watch this. Isaac sows in verse 12, 26 chapter of Genesis, Isaac sows in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great numbers of servants. So this seems like a good thing, right? Man, I'm blessed now. Just like God said, I would be blessed. I sold and, and in the land and in that same year, I reaped a hundredfold. Man, the Lord is good. His word endure forever. But when you get blessed, it's the equivalent to open doors in your life. And where there are open doors, there is opposition. There is mushrooming opposition. There is the enemy. There's no way that you can have effective and open door and there not be enemies waiting for you at the entrance. And so the Bible literally says, so the Philistines envied him. They envied him. Oh, man, here I am getting blessed. And now I got a whole countryside that's envious of me. Now, envy and jealousy are not the same thing. Envy is to love or to loan for someone else's attributes, someone else's anointing, loaning for someone else's stuff or possessions or even wife. Envy is the emotion of coveting what someone else has, which is very different from being jealous. So they weren't jealous of him. They were envious of his position. When you begin to get in the position that God have called you to get into, people will become envious of the position, but you have to realize that your growth and your development is synonymous with your divine evolution. God is moving you. God is growing you. God is changing you. God is prospering you. And jealousy or envy is a byproduct of that blessing. It's a byproduct. People will be envious of you. They want what you have. They want your anointing. They want your stuff. They want your possessions. But they have no idea, watch this, what you went through to get to those possessions or what you're going to go through as a result of having those possessions. So let me, I told you, I'd tell you the difference. That envy is to be uh, covenant of someone else's uh, things. But jealousy, on the other hand, is to have feelings that occur when you feel like someone can take your position or take your authority or take your spotlight. Jealousy is the emotion related to the fear that some, some, something you have will be taken away from you by someone else. So jealousy and envy are not the same thing. So let's not confuse them. So what the Philistines were was envious. They wanted his anointing. They wanted his stuff. They wanted to be blessed in the same way that he was blessed 
Problem is, they weren't serving the same God. But God puts you in the midst of the enemy because God loves everyone. And so he wants to draw them into the place where they are uh, provoked to envy so that they recognize that it's your God that's blessing you in the way that you're being blessed. We live in the same land, sowing in the same land, sowing the same kind of seed, and yet you're getting a hundredfold blessing and my blessing is normal. You get it? So watch this. So now here comes the adversary. Here comes the enemy. Now the Philistines stopped up all the wells, which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with earth. And Amalek said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. All right. So now the embassies come to a tipping point and Isaac's got to go. All right. Well, if you're a herdsman, a shepherdsman, if you have cattle, you have sheep, you have different livestock, you have to find two things. You have to find a pasture where you can feed them, one, and two, you have to find a place where you can water them. And not only do they need water, but of course, as humans, with our body being a 95% mixture of water, we need water as well. So they have these wells that were already dug. Now you have to understand something. Isaac's father, Abraham, dug these wells. But the Philistines have taken these wells and plugged them with dirt. So Isaac's people go back, redig the well, and here's what happens. And, and this is your life. When negative things happen to you, you have to learn how to fight through disappointment. You have to learn how to fight through disappointment. Just because we're disappointed doesn't mean we don't have to fight. A matter of fact, the disappointment is a sign that we have to fight through the disappointment to see what's on the other side. So Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the vat of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of the water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by names, which his father called them, because the land actually belonged to him in the first place, but it was overtaken and overrun by the Philistines at the death of his father. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with his herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek because they quarreled with him. So they battled. Every time he dug, every time he tried to do the right thing and dug a well to take care of his his people, his family, his servants, there was trouble. There was quarrel, a heated argument, disagreement, strife. So he moves on. You keep digging. When you run into opposition, that shouldn't stop you. That should motivate you to keep going. So in the same spirit, then they dug another well. And they quarreled over that one too. So he called this name, its name, Sitna, which means enmity, a state of feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Enmity, that root word, the Hebrew root word for Sitna is actually the word to attack. And so when they built this second well, when they dug it out at Sitna, it was enmity, between himself and the other herdsmen, they're fighting again, all right? Again, this 
kind of obstacle, this kind of battle should make you understand, should let you know that you're on the right track. There's no attack of the enemy if God haven't called you to do anything. The enemy's not going to bother you if this is not taking you somewhere. All right? So let's move on. You keep fighting. You keep fighting. Remember what I talked about. Don't quit. And he moved from there. And yet they dug another well. Except this time the outcome was different. They did not quarrel over it. So he called his name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us. Rehoboth means open spaces or broad places. Rehoboth, the Lord has made room for us because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, not at Esek, not at Signa, but now at the appointed time, the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in this land. It was a sign unto them that God was with them, but there was no more quarreling. Then they were told to go 20 miles away. And then he went up from there to Bathsheba. And the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear. In disappointment, we tend to fear. But remember, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply you, your descendants, for my servants Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And Isaac's servants dug a well right there in the place where the Lord had made room for him. He began to pray. We don't stop praying when negative things happen to us. But we set an altar in our homes. We set an altar in our hearts. We set an altar in, at our desk. And we begin to pray and begin to believe God against all odds. We are the seed of Abraham. Once we received Christ in our life, we became uh, 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 heirs to the promises of Abraham. We are heirs to that. We are, as Christians today, we are modern-day heirs of the promise of Abraham, and we have to believe God in spite of all that we see. So watch this. After they pitched the, the tent, after they prayed, after they've called on the name of the Lord, then Abimelech came to him from Gera with Ahuzeth, one of his friends, and Pishkal, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you, have, since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. You see, their consistency, their grit, their desire never to quit, to continue to press forward, to continue to do what God called them to do. Even though they were in the midst of consternation, even though the environment was less than uh, loving and kind and sweet. People didn't love them. People hated them, said all manner of evil against them. But guess what? It did not stop them from being obedient to the Lord. And that was the thing that turned the king's heart, that he saw that the Lord was obviously with them. So here's the conclusion of the matter. Here's what Amalek says as conditions for, of this covenant relationship with Isaac. Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast 
And they ate and drank, and then they arose early in the morning and swore on an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away in peace, and they departed from him in peace, as, of course, they had sent Isaac away in peace. It came to pass the same day that the servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city to this day is Bathsheba. Embracing disappointment. If you embrace difficult times in your life, if you embrace negative situations and circumstances in your life, if you learn that all things do work together for the good to those who love the, love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose, if we learn to embrace that, to trust the Lord, lean not to our own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. So we understand that he who have begun a good work in us shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If we get this in our spirit, that the thing Things that we see are temporary, but the things that we don't see are eternal in the heavens. If we embrace these things and learn to seek first the kingdom of God along this road of consternation and strife and envy and quarrel at every place of opposition to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, know that all these things shall be added unto you. For your obedience is better than sacrifice. And if we are obedient to the things of the Lord, the Bible declares that we shall eat the good and the fat of the land. I want you to have a blessed, blessed Thanksgiving. Be thankful in whatever place you find yourself in today. If you're sick, be thankful that you're still alive. If you don't have a lot to eat, be thankful that you have something to eat. If you don't have 20 friends, be thankful for the one. Be thankful. That even if you're alone, that God is with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. Be thankful in this season. Continue to seek the face of God, for the best is yet to come. You've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. And remember this, we are influencing the nations for the kingdom of God. God bless. Have a great day and a supernaturally blessed weekend.